welcome to this week's episode of Let's Have a Breakdown with me, Ali Monjack. And I'm Harry Acton. Well, Harry, how are you this week? Oh, Ali, I am I am absolutely knackered. I say that a lot at the moment, but I really am this week. How are you? I'm good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It 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 is been quite a week, I think, for everybody. And then, you know, of course, the government announced last night happy Halloween. I know, right? Nice little Halloween treat for everyone out there. Yes, the the, the government's announcement of a, an, a a lockdown across England, just for England, starting on Thursday. Oh, it's just what we wanted on Halloween, wasn't it? It was like a trick and a treat at the same time. But Absolutely. Mainly a trick. <laughs> well, yeah. it had been leaked to the the press on the outside world, hasn't it? The there yeah. was the potential of another lockdown, and then it became evident by sort of Friday night, Saturday morning, that this was going to be the thing that was going to happen. And it's largely due, as we know, to the fact that the NHS is completely becoming overwhelmed with the figures of people being admitted into hospital with coronavirus. Yes. I mean, you know, the NHS having having used its services a lot this week, once again, I mean, it's still doing a brilliant job. But based on the, the R rate, the infection rates, the number of cases, number of hospitalizations in England, by the end of November, the NHS would run out of intensive care beds across across England. And if they were to then cancel routine operations, routine procedures, even with the extra capacity, it would be early December when the NHS ran out of capacity to treat everyone. And as they said in the press conference yesterday, doctors would be forced to make a choice between who they save and who they don't. So this is why it's being done at the end of the day. You know, there's no other reason why they're doing it. They are literally doing this to save lives because we have no other choice, which is which is scary, you know, but they've 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 done the right thing, according to the science anyway. Yeah. Yes, well they well, they have done the right thing according to the science. I mean there's obviously been a lot of controversy um from Labour, from Keir Star- Sir Keir Starmer as well, about you know that they should have perhaps called a lockdown beforehand. Um I mean I it, it's debatable situation, isn't it, really? I mean if unless you see the science and the facts and the figures, which by the way, Harry, you know, having sat through the entire briefing yesterday i really was at a loss to understand all the facts and figures um apart from the fact that you know that we needed to have a, a national lockdown yes i mean the figures for those of those of you like you know like yourself ali who don't quite understand the figures they the, the, i think the main confusing one was the hotspots one where the different ages were different colors and you know what those graphs showed was that this virus is spreading not just amongst university students and young people anymore, but right up the age groups. And by some of those graphs, you know, those over the age of 60, you know, their their lines are going up exponentially. So the government has effectively been forced into position, even though they've called, said numerous times, they've said they're not going to have a lockdown. They don't believe it's the right action. But, you know, like Belgium, France and Germany and other countries, we've, we've now put in a national lockdown because there is no other choice. And it is going to be very, very similar to the last one, but in some areas, a little bit more relaxed. So that'll be good for some people. Yes, but. no, a little bit more relaxed. And obviously, you know, if you can work outside of home, you can. And I mean, the biggest controversy at the moment is keeping education 
open for children. However, the statistics do show that secondary schools um, have, you know, got many infection rate, you know, a, a rising infection rate in most secondary schools. So I think that is going to be coming into question, isn't it, in the next couple of weeks? Yes. So, you know, several studies have shown that some school, that school settings are technically one of the, uh, you know, the lower risk, risk, um, risk areas. And but yes, you'll have known from people across the country that a lot of school years have been sent home. I know there's quite a few down in Somerset where I grew up, not Devon, um, <laughs> that have had been sent home, school, you know, entire school years because of positive cases. And education is a priority for the government they've said this time and time again and it's a good thing they're keeping schools open because children need their education but whether these schools do entirely remain open is a different question because if a teacher goes off sick with coronavirus and then some of the pupils get it they then have to send those pupils those teachers home to isolate and some schools might be put in a tricky position if their teachers are off sick so there's only so much learning you can do remotely and you know the government has cut the budgets for remote learning in some areas of the country as well. So it, it could be an interesting few weeks. But Yes, yeah. it could be an interesting few weeks. But, you know, you can't help um, thinking that potentially the opening of schools in September has perhaps shifted the R rate. If you actually look at the graphs um, from July, August to September, you know, you could see the rise starting to happen in September and then obviously into October. Yes, I mean, I mean, it, there's there's loads of factors, but I don't forget a lot of people went back to work as well in September. It was seen as a uh, the trains were coming back into ninety percent to one hundred percent service. It was seen as by a lot of employers as the best time to bring their workers back. So you know, there's a lot of factors. But quickly going back to this lockdown that's in place from Thursday, you know, as as you said, Ali, if you if you cannot work from home, then you can go into work. But it is if you physically cannot work from home for exercise and recreation outdoors with your household. Um, or your support bubble, then of course you can leave the house. Um, you can form a support bubble with one person from another household, but that is your one person. So use that wisely. You can also leave the house for medical reasons, appointments, and to escape injury or harm, to obviously shop for food and essentials, and to provide care for vulnerable people or as a volunteer. And you know they're going to put this into law um, next week. So yeah, it's going yeah. to be Thursday, isn't it? That that most people's lives are going to change within. Um, yeah, you know, England. I mean, yes, yeah, I mean, there, uh, there's further. I mean, Scotland are really still, you know, operating this four-tier system now, aren't they? So. Yes, but I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a shift. I mean, you know, like Wales and Northern Ireland, they've done it before us. So England is the third. To, to do this and I wouldn't be surprised if Nicola Sturgeon does do something similar um, but we'll have to wait and see because I've not heard anything about that yet so we'll see um, but yeah we're kind of basically back to where we were in March apart from the NHS is being encouraged to continue with routine surgeries operations appointments where possible so that's that's the major shift in this one and the government has said that there is no exemption for staying away from home or going on a holiday so they're being a little bit strict this time as well on where you can travel so Yes, yeah. no. Well, I mean, that was in the original lockdown, wasn't it? You weren't allowed to, to go anywhere. No, so. but I mean, did you ever get stopped at a checkpoint? I mean, as a key worker, I never did. So I don't know if they were no, actually No, I it. didn't. But I did hear some quite interesting stories, you know, uh, when I, so the first lockdown, I was a key worker. So, mm. um, yeah, there was some incredibly interesting stories about people getting stopped for all sorts of reasons, carers and people like that. 
um, and and one lady managed to to put a, a car sticker on her car so that she wouldn't be stopped again. <laughs> honestly the ingenuity of people but you know as well Ali the good news for a lot of people out there is the furlough scheme is going back into its full glory with employees receiving 80% of their current salary up to two and a half thousand pounds a month so there was a lot of is this going to happen a lot of questioning it was the government going to do this because of course they were trying to wind down the furlough scheme so that'll be a, a blessed relief for a lot of people out there whose businesses are being forced to shut because effectively it's the whole hospitality leisure sector basically the same blanket closures we had last time so yeah yes well it is very interesting and you know it it does make one wonder how they are going to um bounce back um so but you know we'll we'll just have to wait and see what what the second of december brings i guess yes yeah yeah yeah. so it is also important to mention that you know these these localized restrictions there will be a lot of people in the northeast and northwest who are feeling a little bit miffed off with the government because they've been under restrictions for a lot longer than us us southerners let's say no um so you know the r rate naturally would be around three and in some of those areas it's gone down to as low as 0.5 so it does show that these local restrictions are working however the government had to take this drastic action just to protect the NHS, which is why we've got that slogan again saying, stay home, protect the NHS, save lives. And it is literally so important that people do stay home where possible because we are on a knife edge as to whether the NHS gets overwhelmed. And when it does, you know, we are we are going to struggle. So I say when, I mean, if rather, if it does. But, you know, with the current trends, the government had to act. So Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's also home. people should know, you know, that it's not, you know, clearly it's not about the bed space because of the Nightingale hospitals. It is literally about the number of trained professional staff that can deal with this situation. Exactly. You can't double capacity overnight and you can't train doctors and nurses and HCAs overnight. So, yes, the government's trying. You know, there's there's probably a whole other argument about getting rid of the nursing bursary and everything that will probably pop up when there's a review of the way the government handled this. But I would say, Ali, that there is trouble on the horizon. You know, we have to act now. We really have to act now because trouble is is coming. Well, you know, there we go, Ali. Not not the best news to, to have on Halloween, but maybe, you know, it's not been a great week all round, especially in France, which we've had some quite quite sad news this week. No, there's been some terrorist attacks, hasn't there, or what is indicated to be a terrorist attacks. Yes. I mean, we had this this big incident on Thursday, um, which was which was really sad actually, where where three people have have died. Um it's you know, it's really quite sad. They were they were in in church, and it effectively is now being called a terrorist attack, where um, you know someone, I say someone, that a terrorist literally went into a church and he apparently beheaded two people, and injured several, and then a third died. So you know, and the shocking thing is this 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 person was shot fourteen times by French authorities before he was taken down. So and there's really also was. been an extra report, hasn't there, about the the priest that was shot in Lyon? Yes, there's been also a priest that happened on on Saturday. Uh, you know, France is coming under under attack really for its its stance on freedom of speech, shall we say? So a lot of this stems back to the Charlie Hebdo incident, which you know France has been accused of effectively belittling the Prophet Muhammad. Yes. And, you know, this is what people believe is the reason why 
you know, France is suffering at the moment because people Gosh, who how are... long ago was Charlie Hebdo? Was it a year ago now? I think it was longer than that. I don't know the exact no, date. No, it's, but... it's not that long ago. But yes, I mean, when the, the, they were attacked in the office, that, that's awful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, honestly, I, it, it, it's just shocking, really. You'll actually believe um, Charlie Hebdo happened in 2015, Hallie. Oh, gosh, it didn't. 2015. Wow. Yeah, no. That, that shows how far. But yeah, I, you know, this, this, apparently this guy as well, he came from Italy by train. Um, he changed his clothes before the attack happened and then he, he, he did the attack. So, you know, French authorities are investigating any terrorist connections and the exact motive of the attack does remain unclear, but it is believed to be linked to um, Islamic extremist acts over tensions, over characters of the Muslim prophet Muhammad. So it's very sad. I do feel for the French people at the moment. Yeah, but it, it's, um, it, it is, it's absolutely terrible and it, it strikes me that, you know, it's one set of beliefs attacking another set of beliefs isn't it really yes because you know under european law everyone has a right to freedom of speech you know freedom of speech is effectively guaranteed in in the majority of countries around the world of course there are some who don't get freedom of speech but the problem is some things that french the french have done i say the french certain people in france have done i, I guess can be seen as offensive to the to the prophet muhammad but at the same time it is clearly done in satire Yes. But some cultures won't understand that. that. No, they don't. Um, it, it's yeah. it, it's strange, isn't it? Culturally, they don't understand why you would almost, you know, um, laugh about something. But, you know, we tend to do it, don't we, as British people? We we tend we to love our spitting satire. Image. Spitting image, absolutely, yes, yeah, to, na to name one of my favourites. But... Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is very, very sad that's happened. So, um, yeah, it's, it really is. And, um, but however, you know, everybody should have the right to freedom of speech. They should, they should. And, you know, France is now in its emergency state of terror alert. So they are expecting, well, I say they're expecting, they are preparing for other incidents to happen. But of course, with the French, um, with, with the country, Going into a national lockdown, it might, it should, in theory, make these things harder to to reoccur. So, you know, I think it could be an interesting few weeks, months ahead across Europe. To be honest with you, well, France you only know. went into national lockdown this week, didn't they? So they did, they did. So we can, you know, we'll have to see what happens. But you know, it's a really, really sad thing to happen. And my thoughts do go out to everyone who was involved. It's really, really sad. Very sad. So let's let's move on now. I mean. Um, this is not exactly great news, but up to 174 million travel jobs are at risk, says the industry body. Um, to the tourism jobs, jobs could be lost across the globe this year due to the coronavirus pandemic. No, it's it's not good news, this. But the problem is, you know, governments are shutting down their borders, you know, following scientific advice. Absolutely. Um, I mean, places like Canada, I mean, there's no foreign nationals being allowed in. Not just Canada. You know, some countries have been very, very clever, some not so much. <clears throat> Maybe the UK could be one of those that didn't do so well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, the, the London-based company, the World Travel and Tourism Council, said the figure is based on a worst-case scenario, and it's based on the current restrictions of international travel, and with those restrictions remaining on place until the end of December. Yeah. But of course, that doesn't take into account 
the British announcement that happened yesterday. I said the British, the English announcement, which of course is very much discouraging international travel to the point where it is effectively now illegal unless you've got a valid reason. Yeah, you're only allowed to to travel, aren't you, uh, to another country unless you're going for business. And I should imagine that has got to be, you know, um, a very... Yeah, yes, serious it, issue that you'd have to get an, on an aeroplane and go and deal with, for, I suppose. I, I don't know, really. I mean, or Euro Star or... Yeah, I mean, you know, airlines, people, EasyJet have put out statements saying they're going to effectively be reducing their flight schedule by 90% and just running 10% of their flights. You know, Ryanair have been very vocal in about the safety measures they've put in place, you know, their thoughts on this pandemic. And the airline industry has been one of the hardest hit. And in the wider scheme of things, it hasn't been given the biggest stimulus package. In America, you know, they gave their airlines quite a, a good stimulus package in the grand scheme of things. But here in the UK and Europe, airlines haven't been bailed out as much as they would like. So No, it, but, you know, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tricky situation, isn't it? You know, when you're having to bail out the rest of the country. Yes, yes. And you know, airlines, at the they are private companies. They are expected to have a certain cash reserve for things like this to happen. But I don't think anyone expected, I think even with the best planning, that airline travel will be reduced for, you know, we're coming up to nearly a year now of of travel restrictions. So it's, well, say nearly a year, but, you know, just we're over six months now. And by the time it's going to be over, Well, it's eight months, isn't it? You know, yeah, it is eight so. months of travel restrictions. I mean, if you think back to March, which, you know, at this point in time, Harry, feels like two years ago. It does. You know, we yeah. were dealing with people coming back in from, you know, places like China and they were going to Bryce Norton and Oxford and being oh, taken yeah. off a plane and put into quarantine. And they, those were back in the early days of, um, the pandemic where, you know, we thought we could control the virus like that. Yeah, I, you know, it's really surreal to be thinking back to what happened then. Um, but this news is not great. You, you know, everyone likes going on holiday. I think the British tourism industry might might do quite well next year, to be honest. But, you know, international travel in general, you know, up to 143 million jobs could be lost. And in the space of just four months, according to their study, a further 22 million job threats were were kind of established. Yeah, so, I mean, 140 million, three million jobs lost, you know, is, is a huge amount, really. Um, this is an is. estimate, by the way, this is not you know, actually, no. There's no way to know figures. until it happens. No, but. there is no way until it knows where when it happens. But I mean, you know, I I know somebody that actually is um, an air hostess, and yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's you know they've all lost a lot of money because you know there just isn't you know the the flights to to go to different places, destinations, and you know there's all been so many cutbacks they have and I, I don't blame airlines for cutting back you can't justify running empty flights i mean the environmental impact alone would be shocking so you know the sector itself is calling on further support from leaders worldwide to to save the industry because of course if these airlines do go under when we come out of this the other side reduced competition will be more more prices higher prices for consumers so there are pros and cons to supporting these these airlines, these industries, and at the end of the day, to save people's jobs, that's that's better for the welfare state as well. So, yeah, you know, 
we're going to have to wait and see what support is on that one. But I, you know, I'm glad we mentioned it, Ali. But no, I, I definitely. I mean, it is. You know, it's well. Let's face it, Harry. We're all in this together. Um, and then you know, unless quarantines are, you know stopped and lockdowns are stopped then things are not going to change are they for a bit no they're not they're not they're, they're not and you know we have to be positive and i am praying i can go abroad next summer i know some of my friends got abroad this summer at the the right time um and you know i feel like one day the sun will shine again and i'll be able to go back onto a beach <laughs> somewhere yes um, no definitely you will be i mean i'm planning to go away next summer i'm planning to go to greece so yeah, me um, too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, well, yeah. good. So, well, do some island hopping, Harry. But do you know what, Ali? Let's talk about something that happened a little bit closer to home now. That happens beginning of the week, which was ironically, well, not ironically, but it happened off the Isle of Wight. And for you know, for us Southerners, not much really happens down here. No, absolutely. It was all quite exciting. So it it it's all about uh, a ship. Um, Special Forces, um, Special Forces, British Naval Special Forces. It's um, a tongue twister, that, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Special boat service for commandos <laughs> were lowered by rope from special helicopters. Sorry, I can't take it seriously. Yeah, I know, boat it's, it's all a bit special, Harry, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah. the... the um, Counterterrorism unit of the Royal Navy, which um, the Navy's tanker management, which operates the Liberian registered vessel, said that the ship's master became concerned for the safety of the crew, who, um, due to the increasingly hostile behaviour of the stowaways, it said in a statement that all crew, crew members were safe and well. And indeed, so, we, yeah, we know they are well now. They were all they were all rescued. They were in their safe rooms, which is quite cool. They've got special rooms in their in their vessel where they can control the ship with in their special boat. In their special <laughs> boat, honestly, special boat service is my is my phrase of the week. But yeah, it was all a bit dramatic, really. You know, it all started happening Sunday evening after we just recorded our last breakdown. Mm. Um, and yeah, basically, Pretty Patel authorized for the the Navy to effectively do what it needed to do to get involved. They, she authorized military action. Um, and this raid followed a 10-hour standoff as the tanker circled an area a few miles southeast of the Isle, Isle of Wight. Mm. And, you know, nothing really happens down here. So let's just say that... No, um, it was exciting. A very special event. It was a very special event. And, you know, it the, the, the special boat service did an amazing job. It, it, it took them barely any time to secure the ship. I don't think the stowaways were particularly hostile as such i mean no apparently though the ship had left lagos in nigeria lagos 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 in nigeria on october the 6th and it makes you wonder where they've been hiding no absolutely where had they been uh, who knows? I'm sure there's investigations ongoing, but honestly, it was just an, a bit a bit of a saga, really, a bit of something completely uncoved related. And it, it does sadly show the sheer desperation of people that, that want to come to the UK for a better life. And for those people, I say good luck, because I don't think anyone's having a really great life here at the moment. So No, no one's having a really great life here at the moment. But then, you know, Harry, I mean, we don't really understand, do we, what it is to be in a war zone? No, we don't. We don't. And... It it does. Why I, I totally understand people's frustration about people coming here illegally, 
But it is important to note that we are extremely lucky, even at the darkest of times here, we are a first world country and we are effectively blessed with the with the support, the services we have here. And we, we, we often underestimate how important they are. And, you know, I've seen a lot of hate on social media towards these, these stowaways. And I understand where the hate is coming from, but we do need to take a moment and go, they, they must have a reason for wanting to escape. And their desperation drove them to do what they did. And I'm not endorsing their behaviour in any way, no. shape or form. I mean, but... yeah, I mean, Nigeria is renowned for, you know, um, dictator regimes um, and... Yeah, it, there is. There can be a lot of trouble within that African country. So, and and yeah. stuff that we just really can't relate to. In all honesty, we can't. No, no, we can't relate to. And you know, the UK, the UK border force will will be dealing with these people in the appropriate manners. And you know, they have the right to to ask for asylum. And of course, the UK in recent times has been criticised for its its approach to asylum seekers. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it just it, it just does make me. I mean, let's let's just try and smile on the fact that the special boat service commandos, um, they saved the day. They, they saved, saved the, day. the day, didn't they? they you, did. you know, you almost sort of you know see them as some sort of like James Bond of the moment. Well, I think they did. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, they had they had it was it was a, a massive response. I mean, the helicopters that flew over my house. I was like, why are there so many helicopters up? Um, yeah, you know, they it was a really really big big thing that happened, and you know, everyone's safe, which is the main thing at the end of the day. And Absolutely. I think there's a lot of questions now to to Na- to Navios tanker management, of course, who operated the vessels, to, as to how this happened. You know, was did something else happen? Did they get on there? You know, did the crew know? There's lots and lots of questions at the moment. Yes, so. I mean, you know, sadly, sometimes the crew don't know, though. No, you they know, don't. Sadly, yeah. sometimes they don't. I mean, it doesn't look like, not that we can speculate, um, because, you know, in news you have to deal with facts, but it doesn't look like, you know, it was they were in any way, shape or form trafficking stowaways. No, uh, and I think it'll be several months till we we find out what really happened, and um, you know it'll be a nice distraction from the coronavirus, to say the least. And I think a lot of people who work in these services were happy to be dealing with things that weren't COVID related. No, you absolutely, know, it, it, it was almost normality. Um, but you know, in light of the the special boat service, you know, I'd like to like to play them a song. Uh, <laughs> special boat service. <laughs> so the special. Yes, their special uh, mission, shall we say. Well, Harry, goodness, this week is going to be quite a lot going on, especially across the pond, because we're going to know who is the next president of the United States of America. Now, new research from media analytic experts Comatrack shows that Joe Biden is beating Donald Trump on user engagement on all three of the major social media platforms. That's Facebook, Instagram and even Twitter, which is quite surprising because Donald Trump does like Twitter. You can never get him off of it. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's quite ironic in a way that this study, these findings have shown that even though Trump is seen as the more social media literate candidate, as we know, he likes to tweet at stupid o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, it shows that I think Biden's got quite a lot of support in the younger age group 
who, of course, as we know, are heavier social media users. So this with the polls isn't great news for Trump, you know, especially after Trump himself recently stated that he would not have won the 2016 election without his use of Twitter. So it is quite interesting and it is a it's, it's a good little research um good little study to be honest it is a good little study isn't it i mean um he's obviously he's got a, a massive social media rage trump on all three social media platforms not just twitter um but you know to to find that biden is leading in engagement is you know is this a good way of measuring the polls who knows who knows i don't i don't want to speculate because in in my head i'm still thinking that trump is going to win i i don't know america's very afraid of communism and you know joe biden to us is is probably center he's he's probably very center ground i don't know what they think of our labor party over here but you know americans are extremely afraid of the communism that that uh, the communism of communism that word the that they communism. are the communism yeah they're just yeah. they're just bonkersly afraid of the left and i've i've no idea why really uh it's just like it's ingrained in their heads isn't it because apparently the left is going to take away their freedoms when i don't know i'd rather have free healthcare personally but there we go um well but, yeah. i mean this has been ingrained in the in that nation for for years and years and it probably goes back to you know um I'm just trying to think of of the president, and I can't think now. President oh, don't worry about it. Years and years ago. Years anyway. ago. Anyway, yeah. anyway this, let's talk about 2020. But yeah, I mean, Trump's massive social media reach on on his platforms apparently creates an illusion of, domi- of domination on the platform. Let's say you know people see him as the active voice, and they don't see Joe Biden as extremely vocal. Um, but if you've ever seen a Joe Biden ad, and I have seen one or two of them while I've been working. You know, they are extremely strong advertising techniques, let's say, and they seem very sane and very rational. Meanwhile, Trump advertising seems a little bit more, not not erratic, that's the wrong word, but a little bit more aggressive. And that could be why people are reacting with Biden's a bit more. I don't, you know, it's not my study, I can't say, but, no, you know. No, you can't, it's difficult to say, isn't it? But no, I, I absolutely see where you're driving from. And I think, you know, that there is some truth in that matter. I mean, Trump, there's no room for argument with him in his eyes, whereas Biden is reaching out to engage in conversation, maybe. I think that's it. And I think Biden is seen as, at the moment, a voice of... Of a stable future, people know where he stands to a degree on healthcare, on the coronavirus pandemic, which is where he's focused on, you know, quite extremely, to be honest with you. I mean, while Trump is talking about the economy, and it is important to note, you know, a study came out this week, which showed that the American economy grew by 33%, um, you know, since the drop in the coronavirus pandemic. So, but whether we can attribute that to Trump's stimulus, I don't know, because of course, the House is democratic democratically run at the moment yes and it they is. were the ones that came up with the measures to a to a degree to a degree so and they're also the ones that seem to have taken this more seriously in terms of dealing with the economy and the coronavirus however trump is renowned in the US, I'm not not saying everywhere, for being, you know, productive as far as the economy is concerned, that he's good for the economy. He is because he slashed legislation left, right and centre, which is good for business, 
but bad for the environment and bad for a few things. Mm. So there are pros and cons to every single way. But, you know, in Europe, when we eventually leave the transition period, we're still under European law. You know, we have quite a lot of regulation, which is why things do take a while and it can be frustrating. But it's there to safeguard people's rights, to safeguard the environment. So, yes, he might have done a lot, but he had to slash a lot of regulation to do that, which, you know, has worried quite a few people, especially after pulling out of the climate agreement. So, and the World Health Organization. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, he is um, a little bit gung ho, isn't he? Is is Donald? So, um, yes, he is. But, you know, I think Biden must be not relieved, but I think he's probably more relaxed than Trump at the moment with polls putting Biden ahead by almost 10%, you know. And yeah, it's 53-42, isn't it? But um, uh, no, yeah, 52, I mean, sorry, 43%. Yeah, but however, yeah. for, you know, I mean, we have said this before. I mean, this was the same in 2016 with Hillary Clinton. She was, you know, leading the polls and won nearly 3 million more votes than Trump. She's yes. still lost, and it's not all about the. Um, it, it, it's because they use the the US uses uh, the electoral college system, so it's not winning the most votes doesn't always win you the election, does it? it it's Similar actually... to us here, it's about getting those key key, key seats almost. Hmm. I mean, effectively, if say Trump uh, Trump wins Florida, even if he got. Biden got more votes, say, because people in California voted very strongly for Biden. If he was to win places like Florida, Arizona and Georgia, he would get those key electoral college seats. And it's very yeah. similar to our kind of MPs, even, you know, um, apart from the European Council with proportional representation. You know, there's very few governments in the world that actually use proportional representation. New Zealand is one of them. And of course, Jacinda, Jacinda did yeah. extremely well out of it very yes. recently. But there's a big, you know, the establishment, as it were, is afraid of of moving to proportional representation because it it quite literally removes these borders that have been put in place yeah. over the years to help certain parties win. Absolutely. So, but, you yeah. know, I mean, let's face it, Harry, though, it does cut both ways. Yeah, it does cut both ways. No, and, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that people are saying here, that, and apparently there has been some reports that um, try, Trump might contest the outcome anyway if he doesn't win. Um, yeah, and I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. And he has the right to do that. And he has been saying a lot of things that have been proven to be not true, such about postal votes and all sorts of jazz and accusing Biden of being involved with Russia. Uh, yeah. It's oh, all... here we go again. The The Russian boot is on the other foot this time, isn't it? That's what he's saying. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it, I don't want to speculate, but I don't see how Biden can be involved with Russia. I don't really see how Trump could be either. But then at the same time, we don't know no. what goes on no, in these parties. So, but yeah, there's a few states to watch though. You know, Florida, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, they are some of these battlegrounds. New Hampshire as well. You know, some of these votes are very, very slim. You know, Trump only won wisconsin by 0.8 percent in 2016 and in florida he only won it by 1.2 percent in 2016 yeah in the opposite new hampshire was only won by clinton by 0.4 percent yeah so there's a lot of these swing states as they've been termed that could go either way and you know there's a lot of focus on florida especially because if florida turns blue 
that is a sign that Biden may well win the election. If Florida stays red, it's not good news for Biden. So I think there's a lot of focus at the moment on Florida. Florida, yeah, there always is, though, because, you know, it's such a key state. It is a huge state state. as well. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's... Tuesday night is going to be a fun night and I'm sure next weekend Ali we're going to have a lot to talk about and I unfortunately well not unfortunately I am working the late shift on Tuesday where where I work so I'm going to have a very fun day on the night uh, shift hey Harry well, oh that's right I finished by about 11 p.m so I at will least be... you'll be entertained though it will be an entertaining lead up I've yeah. no doubt I've just got to try and sleep Tuesday night for Wednesday because I'm doing another late so yeah, it's going to be an interesting day and uh, it's too it's too close to call and we we can't trust the polls and the main message is Americans have to go out and vote at the end of the day. They have to go out and vote. Yes, I mean, do. I mean, is, it is, yeah. is, you know, people need to go out and vote and whoever's listening to this, I mean, because we do have some listeners from across the pond, do go out and vote. Don't, you know, think, oh, well, neither of them match what I'm looking for or whatever. Because it's, it's that great old thing, isn't it? You know, if you have actually haven't participated in the election and voted, then, yeah. you know, you, you have to expect that you're not going to enjoy the outcome. It effectively at the moment is a race with one candidate pro, you know, sorting coronavirus out, doing whatever's needed, and one candidate focusing on the economy. So, you know, it's it depends what America wants. And we we've learnt over the years that you can't predict America. So No, absolutely. We shall see. It is about you now, America. Right. So some interesting news. Far, far away in another galaxy. Wait, so is it another galaxy no, though? I'm, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to tell a bit spin of a, of a story here. Go really. on, tell us a story, Ali. Tell us a story. Well, astronomers have discovered a free-floating planet in the Milky Way that is slightly smaller than Earth and is gravitationally unattached to any star. Yes, Ooh. and scientists have said it's the smallest rogue planet found to date. And it's it's all quite exciting because planets normally are attached to stars because of gravity. And it, of course, you know... In 2011, the team that also found this planet found 10 such celestial objects that are about the size of Jupiter and did not have any parent stars. And while most known planets orbit a star, the researchers believe that our galaxy may be teeming with rogue, rogue planets, planets. Hmm. possibly outnumbering the number of stars in the Milky Way. And so possibly is... some other life forms. Well, I mean, who knows? I think it's 2020. Anything can happen at this point. Um, But yeah, it's all quite exciting. I mean, NASA's had a a busy week this week. I'm not sure if this is actually NASA's study. Um, Um, No, no, California Institute of Technology. Take it back. Not just NASA. But of course, yeah, we had water on the moon very recently. And now we've got got this. So absolutely. Which means that, you know, that it could indicate that at some point we could maybe even go and live on the moon. Yeah, that's 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 to do with the water, which is really good news, actually. But yeah, this. Well, at least we this... could get a cup of tea, Harry. A cup of coffee. Well, yeah. Well, how would you grow coffee on the moon? Is a whole other topic, isn't there? How would we su- sustain ourselves? So, you know, as much as we've dreamed for living on the moon and living on Mars, it's um, yeah, it's going to take a bit more work just yet. But it is it is good news in regards to having water on the moon. But yeah, it just shows again that the Milky Way, our, our lovely galaxy, no matter how we understand it. We don't understand it. <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't understand it. And that's the thing, isn't there? Isn't it? I mean, there, there's huge, it's a huge, huge place. 
And it is a, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Milky Way is a huge dark place that we we don't know enough about, and you know, until we get out there, there's only so much we can do. But it is it is a rather exciting discovery, which is always good news. It is a rather exciting discovery, definitely. And um, you know, as as we said, to find water on the sunlit surface of the moon. Um, indicates actually that water may be distributed across the lunar surface and not limited to cold shadowed places. So yeah this is all very interesting stuff isn't it? So apparently data from this location reveal water in concentrations of 100 to 412 parts per million roughly equivalent to a 12 ounce bottle of water trapped in a cubic meter of soil spread across the lunar surface yes and it's not just the dark places either it is you know it is potentially means there's water in places that have sunlight as well so it isn't much water you know I, when i spoke to someone from nasa on monday i was very lucky to do an interview with nasa on monday actually mm, and lucky you. they said that it's really exciting news but it means that Yes, we can take less water up to the moon, but it doesn't mean that we're entirely in the clear. It's no. the, the short of it. So, yes, I mean, it's been a busy week in space this week. You know, I think coronavirus has helped out these um these observatories quite a lot. Less pollution in the in the world. You know, absolutely. Been... Do you know? I didn't think about that, but you're you're, you're absolutely right, aren't you? So, um, yeah, it's 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 good. And of course, these these discoveries, especially this this floating planet, as it's been termed. Um, say that it will enable, it could enable rather, astronomers to learn more about the past of planetary systems such as our solar system. So, you know, not necessarily any new discoveries, but it will help us to understand the past, which, you know, could yield some interesting data and who knows, might teach us something new, maybe. And we'll also see, the but... researchers said, though, that the newly detected planet this is the smallest rogue world ever found, with models indicating it may have a mass somewhere between Earth and Mars. Yeah, so there we go. Sim similar to us, but of course, without it all I wonder star, if they'll come up for a name with it. I wonder. I wonder. I'll probably have some some name like A one X dash three Z or oh, something. Oh no! I don't know. Really? No, I don't know. Isn't that Elon Musk's baby name? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But yeah, it, it is. It is good news. And I thought, you know, it's good that we've got some positive news in today's breakdown because it does seem a bit doom and gloom at the moment. Yeah. Um, what yeah. Halloween. Halloween, all doom and gloom. We seem to be tricked by the news at the moment. But yeah, it, it hopefully will enable us to understand, you know, why we're here, which is always, which is the big question of life. So who knows? Absolutely. And let's go a bit, bit closer to home now for a second. So there's been another study that, that came out. It was, it was embargoed till Friday, which for anyone out there means that it couldn't be reported on until Friday this week, uh, that the UK gaming market is an ever-growing industry. And that parents' attitudes to gaming has relaxed as people have viewed consoles as a way to keep families connected. And believe it or not, this is, well, more than likely due to the coronavirus pandemic. It, it's people's attitudes. Yes. No, I, I, you know, having, having had children, I completely appreciate this one, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, you do worry as a parent. You think, oh, goodness, you know, they're going to... That's all they do. They have, you know, square eyes and gaming thumbs. Um, but I really, really do think that it is a good way of connecting 
people and families, you know, and it's creational. It is recreational. It allows people to, to you know, have fun together, you know, do a conquest or a game of whatever description, what depending on what games you're into. Because, I mean, you can get everything from everything, can't you, really, in terms of gaming these days? You can. And do you know, this this research was done by Cadbury, believe it or not. Um, yes, the chocolate company Cadbury. Mm. And they've said that thanks to roughly 56% of people spending more time playing games with their children in recent months, um, now seven in 10 of those value it as a vital way of enjoying family time. And not only has it helped 59% of UK families become closer together at this time, but it looks like this this new style of gaming, let's put it like that, might be here to stay with 70% of those surveyed wanting to continue and 48% less likely to restrict gaming time, having now seen the benefits of playing together, which, you know, people are often said to reduce screen time, aren't they, nowadays? We're, we're told that too much screen time is bad. Mm. But this study now says that people have changed their opinions. So... Of course. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. You know, it probably does relate to the fact that we've had a lockdown this year and it's a way of connecting people. And, you know, it it is especially apparently surprising considering almost a quarter, 24% admit to never having picked up a controller before, with 54% saying their children taught them how to play. So there you go. You know, they've now been licking to their children to to be shown how to work these games yes um, and it's even involved grandparents which is i think yeah. quite cool with 22 percent of those cool. surveys have invited their grandparents to a game so it does show that even though gaming is seen as a very young thing to do let's put it it has also brought families together during this time and of course during the pandemic if you tried to buy a gaming console there's one in particular that completely sold out which was nintendo switch you 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 couldn't they were out of stock and playstations and xboxes they all were very hard to get during the pandemic but yes people turned to something else and of course with these online servers people can talk through headsets and you know i'm sure some families might have had facetime on a phone and they were playing with each other you know it is it is something positive i think and it shows that families have continued to connect but it is in a different way and yes, it is that. it is a different way. And I, I think it is, you know, it's a different recreational way, isn't it? Which is, you know, let's face it, we, we didn't think um that we could, you know, do most of the stuff that we do online now eight months no, ago. Yeah, exactly. And it, it is it is good to see that families have come together. Parents haven't just bought a games console for their child and left them with it. No, you know they've taken the time because, of course, a lot of parents were furloughed. So you know, if their kid was kid was playing, they went and spent time with them. So it's not the same as you know going round to see family and going outside and going away and doing things. But in its own way, it's probably been a lifesaver for some families. I'd have thought yeah, kept kept them busy. I think so I mean, you know, we used to do it over Xbox years ago, but. I mean, I yeah, I haven't recently done anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, I will admit we bought an Xbox during the pandemic here, and it got used a little bit, but it only probably gets used a couple of times a month now here, if that. So, well, I uh, suppose it's because you're busy. That's the thing. Very busy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Boris is keeping the media busy. Let's put it that way. Oh gosh, Um, yes, good old Boris. But do you know what, Ali? I think it's time to maybe start our Halloween segment. 
Right. Wow. Hubble bubble, toil and trouble. <laughs> so it has been Halloween yesterday, hasn't it? It has, and a very different Halloween. We had no trick-or-treaters at our house, even though we popped some chocolate out in my driveway. No, the government did that for us, trick-or-treat. Yeah, true that, true that. They did, didn't they? It was certainly a, a trick it on was. a Saturday afternoon. Absolutely. Well, there's something that we should all know, and I know you were quite shocked when I first said this to you. There are actually witches. And I'm not just talking about, you know, witches that get on a broomstick. Mm. I'm still sceptical, but go on. Go on. Right. Well, Wicca, as it's known, is also termed as pagan witchcraft. And it's a modern pagan religion. So, I mean, this is not just started today. I mean, this relates back to centuries and centuries ago. So it, it's people say it's a new religious movement, but actually it's not. It, it was started years and years ago, and it's about being in touch with the natural world and having diverse set of ancient pagan and 20th century hermetic motifs for its theological structure and ritual practices. So there are actually Wicca or witches <clears throat> amongst us, Harry, Hmm. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of digging when you brought this up. And technically, its traditional core beliefs, principles and practices were originally outlined in the 40s and 50s. That's in the 20th century, by the way. Yeah. Um, and it was actually in a series of books published by Gardner and Doreen Valiente. Yes. And, it, and also, it's been done in secret written and oral teachings passed along to their initiates. So it all seems a little bit surreal to me, because I just I just find it bonkers I, i've heard of Wicca, well but... <laughs> and also here's another one for you okay in 2011 you know the census census yes. figures showed as many as 85,000 people identified in the uk with the neo-pagan movement which is primarily represented by wicca and witchcraft religions wicca also termed pagan witchcraft is a modern pagan religion and just one form of modern witchcraft well, I'm sure they had fun last night, Ali, being a, was it a harvest moon? Second second full moon in October. Yes, so, a harvest moon and a blue moon, apparently. And a blue moon. Well, there you go. And of course, they couldn't really enjoy it. I'm sure they, if there were any rituals going on, they must have done them in secret because of the rule of six. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm still, I still find it quite shocked, actually, that that many people identify um, with this, this religion. Yes, they um, do identify mm. with this religion, which is to do, as I said, with the natural world and being in balance with the natural world, apparently. So you can kind of take on that. And uh, the, apparently there's three elements to Wicca. Okay, magic and witchcraft, religion and mysticism. <laughs> right right okay yeah right okay i i, I just honestly i just i oh, i have no words we're having a breakdown over this but yeah well yeah we are I, having a breakdown over this so you know i just i'm not going to get my broom out anytime soon harry so don't worry you're not okay it's, it's, it's traditions at the end of the day isn't it it's traditions that have been passed down over the years and i'm sure there are some people that take it to the extreme but i mean fair play to people if they they class themselves like this then 
yeah, I'm sure there is some sort of truth behind all the rumours, but who knows? Who well, knows, we're but... not going to look at the 16th and 17th century because there were a lot of cases of witch trials. They, they, I mean, this actually did exist, as you know. Yes, yeah, the Salem witches comes to mind. The Salem witches, I mean, you know, one of the famous ones is Paisley um, in Scotland, you know, the, the town of Paisley, and I can't remember the, the last lady that was actually put on the stake to burn um, God. yeah dark times i mean dark I, times. I would have been put on the stake harry because i'm too far too outspoken oh aren't you aren't you just the amount yeah. of this podcast we have to censor ali honestly yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, no. Yeah. um but you know that that was the kind of thing so it it does make you sort of yeah there is probably some truth to it, isn't there? There is some sort of truth to it. it being it's, Halloween. It's basically about ritual, isn't it? As long as there's no sacrifices, then they can do what they want, I'd say. Well, I don't say that there was any sacrifices, but it is interesting because there is actually a memorial right. in Norway. Okay. To all the people, all the, the the people that lost their lives, you know, because in the witch trials, Oh, I didn't know that. There you go. I've just learned something new. Yeah. It's interesting. interesting. It is quite interesting, isn't it, really? So, um, so, yeah, there you go, Harry. Witches do exist. There you go. And that probably wraps up our special Halloween segment because, unfortunately, there was not much else to do because Halloween's effectively been cancelled as of 6.30pm yesterday. So, yeah, there you go. Learned something new. Who knows? Yeah, Who knows? Absolutely. Maybe there's a wicker living on my street. I don't even know. Well, probably, Harry. So I'd watch out if I were you. <laughs> well, do you know what? There, I think, have, have we have we come to an end of, it, of another breakdown, Harry? We have. We have. We've, we've had a complete breakdown today, Harry. My goodness. We have. And we've covered a lot of stuff. And for anyone out there, I hope it hasn't been too doom and gloom. But it's very hard to be positive when there are numerous announcements from across the globe of covid and uh, all sorts of jazz so we tried there were other stuff we were going to put into this podcast but we had to pull it up last minute because of bojo's announcement so hopefully next week will be a bit brighter we can dream we can dream we can and you know stay positive out there people because we are all in this together Absolutely, absolutely. And if you have got any positive stories, of course, with the lockdown coming back into force, we would love to speak to people who are going out in their community and looking after those who are most vulnerable in society. So, you know, get in touch with us. As always, you can get in touch with us on our social media. It's Breakdown With Us on Facebook, Twitter and TikTok. And of course, Instagram. Must not forget Instagram. Um, and yeah, we've also got our, our website as well, which I will let you do that, Ali, because you've got your crack in voice over voice. Oh, yes. News.forthenow.co.uk. Do you know what? I bet I walk into Sainsbury's on Monday and I'll have that voice back saying, we're working hard to feed the nation during this difficult time. I bet it's bad and I'll hear you doing it this time. Lots of secret work without me knowing. No. Um, no. But yeah, we've done it. And as always, you know, thank you for listening all the way through to the end. And, you know, don't forget to, to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You know, every every time you subscribe to our podcast, it does help us out. So, and Stay don't home, to... take care, stay safe and bye Absolutely. from me. Yeah, but and very quickly, bye from me as well. Of course, if you're in England, please stay home, protect the NHS and save lives. And we'll see you again next week. Take care.